0: a very important question. Now, even from that, it's important for us to draw a conclusion that when it comes to us with evangelism and introducing Jesus to other people, Jesus took his time. Jesus spoke truth, demonstrated by life, and for him, performing miracles and other good works, but just also by the consistency of his lifestyle, demonstrated who he was, and then he was asking his disciples, who do you say I am? there's a clue for us that as we seek to evangelize and f- as we follow the lord jesus and seek to evangelize so we need to give people time time to observe us time to hear us and then there comes a point where yes we do have to ask the questions uh, but that's a derived and secondary matter to what we're focusing on this morning the lord jesus asks his disciples who do people say the son of man is and all of them give a similar answer While the answers are different, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say one of the prophets, they're all the same in terms of the people were saying that Jesus was not the one. He's not the Messiah. He's not the one who was to come. Like John the Baptist, he's a forerunner. Or like Elijah, he was the one who was to come before the Messiah came. Or like Jeremiah, who was to return the ark and the... The something else, the altar to the temple before the Messiah came or he's like one of the prophets he's not the prophet that Moses had predicted, they all had that in common they didn't understand fully who Jesus was the people still didn't get it so Jesus says, what about you guys who do you say I am they had much closer contact obviously and so Peter speaking on behalf of the disciples says you are the one You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And in fact, uh, in the original, it's actually emphasized, you are the Christ, the son of the God, the living one. Four definite articles. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's you. You're the one. You are Messiah, and you are God the son. You are divine. Peter understood it. On the basis of that, Jesus must have been thrilled and pleased that this group of people were finally getting something and jesus declares blessed are you simon peter Um, flesh and blood haven't revealed to this you haven't derived this logically rationally you haven't nobody's told you about this my father in heaven my heavenly father has revealed this to you same thing has to happen today god the father's got to do a work by his spirit to reveal truth to people unless god is in it we can't do it Blessed are you, Peter, because my Father has revealed this to you. And on this rock, Jesus has a little play on words. Peter's name means stone or rock, if you like. And Jesus says, you are Peter, rocky. And on this rock, this confession of your faith, your understanding who I am, I will build my church. The church of the Lord Jesus is built upon the public confession of who he is, identifying that he is the promised one and he is God the Son manifest in the flesh. Church is built on that confession of faith. And Jesus promises not only to build the church, but he says, and the gates of Hades, the ESV, which is a very good translation, for some reason follows the authorised version, and I'm not sure why, because the word is definitely Hades. So I'm not sure what the translators are thinking when they put hell into this part of the, the scriptures. The gates of Hades, the grave, death, will not prevail against it. And it's not a picture, as is often misunderstood, it's not a picture of um, death or opposition or spiritual forces coming against the church and persecuting us, it's not, that's not the picture. It's rather a picture of the church militant, the church advancing, the church going out and actually attacking. Approaching the gates, which are a defensive thing, which are protecting those who are spiritually dead behind it. Gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church, through the power of Jesus, through the power of truth of his word, the gates will open and spiritually dead people will be transferred to the kingdom of Jesus, those transferred kingdoms. That's what Jesus is promising, that he would build his church. Note these things about the church, because that's going to be our focus in the next eight weeks or so. The foundation is Jesus. We use the word church in all different sorts of ways in our English world and our culture. We talk about this building as the church. I'll meet you at the church. Or we use it of a church service. I'll meet you after church. Um, We use it of a denomination. Uh, We use church in all sorts of ways. But the way the Bible uses the word church and the way the Lord Jesus is using church, he's not talking about any of those things. He's talking about people he's talking about a particular group of people he's not talking about all people but he's talking about those people who are believers who repent and who believe and who commit to following him jesus is building that group that's what he promised to do and that's the promise of the foundation it's certain jesus says i will build my church it's him who builds it it's not us it's not me it's we in obedience with him. God is the one who must do the work. He does it through his word. So that's our commitment as a church that we'll be true and teach God's word and be true to God's word because that's how God works in our lives. That's how he brings about his change in us and achieves his purposes. It's intimately related. The church is related to the Lord Jesus because it's my church. I will build my church. This group of people somehow belong to him. It's a church, so it's a called-out group and all body, and it's invincible. The gates of Hades, death itself, will not overpower it, will not overcome it, will not be able to resist it, will not conquer it. The church will advance and it will grow. Jesus is the conqueror. And then he gives to his church, to Peter and the earlier apostles, and then through them to Uh, all of those who are part of his church, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Keys unlock doors. And the keys that Jesus gives, the authority that he gives, is for us to actually teach his word. Whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Meaning, whatever we permit or whatever we forbid should be according to what has been permitted or forbidden in heaven. It's not, don't read the text, don't understand it to be saying that what we permit down here, God will reinforce and oh okay, I'll permit that. It's not us leading, it's us following. It's what has the Father permitted, what has the Lord through his word forbidden. They're the things that we will likewise permit and forbid. We are in tune with what he is doing. And then he says, strictly charged all of his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ, his kingdom is not of this world. But it does have a physical manifestation, but the kingdom the universal church the Lord Jesus is talking about here is one which is invisible. The universal church, the church that Jesus said he would build here, includes all believers throughout all time. From the time way back in the beginning until today and into the future until the Lord Jesus returns, it includes those who have died and who are now in his presence in heaven. It's the invisible church. It's those who are in his kingdom who are genuine followers of him. At the end of the day, we don't know where we stand, where you stand. You don't know where I stand spiritually. You don't know. You have good reason and hope that by my lifestyle, by my statement of faith, by my declaration, that I am sincere and that therefore I am a believer. But at the end of the day, you're not God and you don't know. God knows. Which is why on the last day, Matthew 7, Jesus says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, in your name, didn't we do this, Prophesied in your name, we perform miracles, we cast out demons, and Jesus will say, I never knew you. I don't know you. They say the right things. They do remarkable spiritual things, but they're not part of the kingdom only you know only you know where you stand are you in the kingdom or not have you repented and believed sincerely and genuinely is jesus your lord you. you are to that should be demonstrated in your life and it should be observable by us and we buy a tree, you'll know them by their fruits Thank you, lord. yeah but end of the day jesus is the only one who knows which is why When the Lord Jesus talks about the church, he talks about the church universal, this invisible church. That's the one that you are to be part of that we don't know if you are. But you get to demonstrate that you belong to that church several ways that he's instituted. One is baptism. That when you get baptised, you are declaring publicly to people and to the spiritual forces in heavenly places, I belong to Jesus. He is my Lord. I bow the knee to him. I confess he is my king. I turned from sin and doing things my way, and I turn to God, and I bow the knee to him, and I acknowledge that he is now the ruler of my life, and I am to walk in obedience to him. He gets my ultimate allegiance. Him first. Love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. We demonstrate that. That's what we're declaring and showing in baptism. But we also declare and show it through joining and submitting to a local church. A defined group of Jesus' followers. Which is the second way that Jesus uses the word church. In Matthew chapter 16, he uses the word church for the first time. And he's talking about that universal church. I'm going to build this universal church. It'll cross age groups, it'll cross national boundaries, it'll cross through time. Everybody who was a genuine born-again believer and follower of Jesus is part of that universal church. Second way that Jesus uses the word church is the second time and only time in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Gospels, that Jesus uses the word church is Matthew 18, which is where Jesus in that context, verses 15 to 17, he talks about and says, if you see your brother sin or if your brother upsets you, or if, he's, if he sins against you, go and speak to that person one-on-one. If, you, if they listen, you've won back your brother. If they don't listen, take along one or two others who can help and who can assist and also be witnesses. And if they will not repent, if they will not listen to that, tell it to the church. Tell it to the church. That's where Jesus is using the word church. Secondly, in this local context, tell it to the local body. Of which you belong. Jesus is not saying, like in Matthew 16, tell it to the church, tell it to every Christian throughout all the nations and throughout time. He's not saying that. But he's saying to the local church, reveal this thing that here is a person who is professing the name of Christ, but who is not demonstrating it in their life. And that person then is to be removed from the church. And they are to be treated as a tax collector. And as an unbeliever, they need to be loved and they need the gospel presented to them. So Jesus uses the church in word church in those two different ways. And it's significant because that's the consistent pattern of the whole New Testament. If the hundred and something plus times the word church appears in the New Testament, there's about 10, maybe 15 of them will refer to the universal church, church everywhere. 90% of them are referring to a local church, the church in Corinth, the church in Thessalonica, the church in Rome, the church in Sunnybank. It has a local context. And so if you ask the question then, how do we define what the church is? This is where membership kicks in. And this is, in my understanding, this is what membership means. It helps us to define who is in and who is not in. People who profess faith and who not just profess faith and not just attend, but they commit to and submit to that local church, where they then can fulfill all of the commands of the New Testament. Church membership is a declaration of citizenship in Christ's kingdom. When a person says, I want to be a member of the local church, of this church, I am saying, I belong to this church, the universal. I am really part of that. I am a true follower of Jesus. It's an announcement in the press room of Christ's kingdom, if you like. It's a declaration. You're in the kingdom, and therefore you are to be in the local church. Now, quite a lot of you are not members of this church and maybe of any church. And I think that's an area that we need to address. For those of you who are members, then it's partly a refresher for you. But it's also an examination of, well, what sort of a member are you? The Bible, I think, gives us some clear, clear guidelines. For me, I believe it's the will of God for people to believe in the Lord Jesus, of course, and to belong to his church, the local church. That's the other side of the same coin. God wants everybody to repent and believe and become part of his universal church he doesn't want anybody to perish and all of those who do become part of his universal church are to be committed and manifest the invisible church physically visibly in the local church it's the vertical and the horizontal coming together again it's the lord jesus who said that this is very important because he said it's by your relationships with one another that others will know and see your relationship with him. By this all men will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another, your commitment to one another and so on. So it's very important. Now, all of this is in the context for us in our culture, in the West and in our time in the 21st century, where there is both a commitment phobia and where we are riddled with individualism. A commitment phobia permeates our society where people are frightened of missing out. And so they wanna keep their options open. The Barna research, Uh, Institute in the United States, reveals sadly that 43% of Christians, 43% less than half, just under half, are absolutely committed to their Christian faith, to the Lord Jesus. 43% and that was in 1998 it's 20 years ago and I think it's gotten worse. So my question Are you in? Are you committed? Or are you mouthing the words, saying the words, but not fully meaning it? Question. Can I be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, and not be committed? Is that possible? I think the answer is yes. But I think it's dangerous. Jesus said... In order to follow him, we are to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily and come follow him. Question, can I be following the Lord Jesus if I'm not denying myself and if I'm not taking up the cross? I think he would say no to that. I think that puts us into the Matthew 7 category of those who say, Lord, Lord, I did all these things. I didn't do that, but I did all these other things. And Jesus will say, well, I don't know you. It's dangerous. And then there's individualism, which we, where we are riddled with we want to depend on ourselves. We are not into community and being held to account. We like to be lone rangers. We like, don't want to take on other people's burdens. I've got enough stress of my own, so I don't want to help. I don't want to commit. I don't want to be challenged. I don't want, It's just me being selfish. Well, that riddles our society. And it impacts the church. When you put these two things together, this commitment phobia, along with individualism, those two things together are simply very hostile. They undermine biblical Christianity and church membership. So whose idea was the church? Whose idea was this universal church, Jesus's? Whose idea is the local church, Jesus's? It's his idea. It's him, through his instructions in the whole New Testament, which is calling people together and to behave in certain ways and to make certain commitments. How do I get in? Well, firstly, to be in the local church, you've got to be part of the universal church. To be a member of a local church, you have to be born again. You have to be a Christian. You have to be a follower. You have to be in his kingdom. So it's you declaring that. This is the family of God, if you like. And I can't make you a part of the family and Pastor Charlie can't make you a part of the family and you can't make anybody else a part of the family. If you want to be part of the family, you either have to be born into it or spiritually you need to be born again into it, adopted in. It's God's family. And so God's got to do a work in us. He's got to be convicting us and drawing us. And anybody who puts their hand up and says... I want to join the local church then there is an examination there is a a you part of tell us your story how did you transfer how did you change what's changed in your life and all our stories are certainly very exciting but they're also all very different so firstly how do I get in how do I join the church well God's got to work in your life you've got to become part of his family once that's happened then I think God has an expectation that you will be joining the local church this one god has to work this one it's your responsibility this one god's will for you to be saved god's word directs us to becoming members of a local church added day by day as acts says the good shepherd is the one who redeems his sheep he searches for them he finds them and he enfolds them he receives the lost but once he's saved them he feeds them and leads them and enfolds them into his flock. The Lord Jesus. So the Bible does not anywhere, I can't take you to a verse in the New Testament that says, you must join the local church, you must become a member of the local church. Rather, it assumes you must repent and believe. Once you've done that, then you must submit and obey. It does say that. And it says that specifically about the local church. It's in that context. And if you're not a member of a local church, you can't obey that command. And in fact, all of the one another commands in the New Testament, you cannot fulfill or obey if you're not part of a local church because the one another's are talking about church members, fellow church (coughs) attenders, those who are committed to this local body of believers. Church membership is important because I think three reasons. One, it defines the local church. It defines it. A local church is not a building. It's not our services. A local church is a group of people who are defined by membership, defined by their commitment and their submission to one another. There has to be some statement, some indication of that. You don't become a member simply by turning up and becoming a part of. You can't become part of a family simply by visiting a family and sitting with them in the same room. You can eat with them, you can visit them every day, but you're still not part of the family. You can't call the head of the home there, Father, unless you are part of the family. And membership helps us to define that. It defines the local church, it sets the boundary around us. It helps believers know those to whom they are to connect, to commit to contribute to submit to serve and to support it's God's plan it's what he wants and so if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus and you're not a member well then at the moment you're not fully in sync with what God's will and intention and plan is and so that needs addressing that needs confronting And then you need to be responding to that so it's the only way that we can identify and define what a local church is so therefore membership is necessary it's the only way that can make yourself, it's the only way a Christian can make themselves accountable to and submissive to spiritual leadership. Look at this one verse, Hebrews 13, verse 17. There are numerous verses we could go to, but I just picked this one. Hebrews 13, verse 17. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Because they watch over your souls and as those who must give an account. Two questions. If you're not a part of and committed to, if you're not a member, an identifiable part of a local body, which leaders are you going to obey and submit to? Obey your leaders and submit to them. And second question. If the church doesn't have a membership, a definable group of people who are committed and submitted and serving, that membership group, then who are the spiritual leaders going to give an account for? Who do I give an account for? I had a couple come to me over 20 years ago, different church, different state, different time, and they said we had the conversation about church membership, and they said, why should we become become church members? Long conversation, and I said to them at the end, Because I have no spiritual responsibility for you. It's interesting, isn't it? I'm not accountable for you. God won't be asking me. What about this person? Well, they weren't part of the flock, they weren't part of my church, they weren't part of the membership. How else can I define this group? Now this gets highly complicated because in our church we have membership and we have associate membership so at the moment I'm sort of pushing those together the way we do associate membership is we need to change that we need to fix that up because we're not being very helpful to people at all but at the end of the day membership is something you initiate membership in the universal church God initiates membership in the local church you initiate you say I want to belong to this church, I want to submit to these leaders and I want to commit to serving in this church body. That's what membership is and that's why it's important. Church membership is not just having a name on a roll. There is a roll and your name will go on it and you'll be able to be identified you're a member just like they could in the first century. They knew. Church membership is not just that you'll get to attend members' meetings and get to vote, So you will get to do that. Church membership is not about being able to hold a position in a church structure, church organisation, but it does open the door that you can do that. That's not what it's about. Membership is about belonging. It's about commitment. It's about identifying with and submitting to It's about serving and giving. It's about connecting. (coughs) It's partnership. Belonging to, identifying with and submitting to. That's why church membership is important because it helps you identify the church. So our church has about 300, just over 300 members, which means we have over 300 people who are not members and of those 300 who are not members many of them many of you would say yeah but this is our church this is where we belong well then why aren't you a member some of you behave like members but you're not members why not what's the issue is there an issue see if it emerges Membership in our local church, secondly, um, is intended as a testimony to our membership in the universal church. That's what you're declaring. I've said enough about that. Number three, membership also increases our sense of responsibility for the work of the church. If you're not a member, then in theory, not committed, don't have to be committed, I'm not responsible, I'm not held accountable, nobody can do anything about it. But if you remember, all that changes. Your membership moves you from being simply a consumer to being a participant. It moves you from, um, well, it's worst case scenario. It moves you from having an attitude of serve us, please me, do what I want. If I don't like what you're offering, then I'll see you later. I'll go somewhere else, I'll go to another church or whatever. Membership helps tighten the level of commitment. There's got to be a difference in relationships between those who are committed to the local church, members of the church, and those who are not. For instance, let's pick two hypothetical people. Let's pick a Peter, um, that'll do, who is part of the local church. And let's pick a David. Who's a Christian, but who's not part of this local church, but it belongs to another church? I know both, Peter, and I know David. Is my relationship as a Christian the same with both Peter, who is a member of the church, and with David, who is not a member of the church? Is my relationship with them the same, or is there a difference? Now you've got to follow this. If there is no difference, in my relationship to a member of a church and a person who is not a member of the church, if there is no difference, then the local church doesn't exist. Think about that. Let me give you another illustration and bring it back to the church. I'm married to Rhonda. Prettiest lady, right there. Is there a difference between my relationship with Rhonda to whom I am married, and I think I said Margaret, no, Belinda, didn't I, in the first service. Belinda, which was dangerous because Belinda is the name of an ex-girlfriend. Anyway, is there a difference in my relationship with Rhonda, my wife, and Belinda? Because if there is no difference, then marriage doesn't exist. Follow that? grunt, groan, nod, disagree, do something. If there is no difference in my relationship with Rhonda than my relationship with Belinda, then marriage doesn't exist. I might as well, I am ignoring this special relationship I have because of marriage. Make sense? That's what membership does. Membership creates extra focus and responsibilities in my relationships. I am suddenly more accountable. I am more responsible to those who are fellow members. It doesn't mean that I neglect those who are non-members or who are not members, but it does mean that my relationship with members is heightened and I have a greater responsibility. In the first three centuries of the church, there were no church buildings. The church met in all sorts, in houses, in halls, in open air places, wherever they could get together and meet, often in secret locations. But it was very clear that those who were meeting were those who were identified with the believers, with the church. They were either in and part of, or they were out of the church. It could be defined clearly. Now that's how I'm using the word membership, and that's what I think it means. The church is universally those who believe; locally, those who have committed and who belong. It enab- membership in the local church enables us to be fully obedient to all of God's words. Two questions: One, did Christians in the New Testament formally join churches? Answer: Yes. Biblical proof, yeah, Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 5, 5. the word join is used in that official sense. The Apostle Paul joining the local church. Question, did churches in the New Testament have membership lists? Answer, probably. While there is no defined verse that says so, the implication is, 2 Corinthians 3, the very fact that there is church discipline, you are removed from this group of people implies that there is a defined group and list and certainly acts says that numbers of people were added to the church somebody was counting somebody was writing down names somebody was keeping a record the bible even 1 corinthians 14 uses a thing when the whole church is present when the whole church is present the whole what well those who belong to that church well how do you know they belong well because they have become Members they've identified with, they're committed to. Okay, let me try and wrap this up with a few more questions and statements. Are you a follower of the Lord Jesus? If the answer to that is yes, and the answer is yes for most of you. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, question, are you a member? If the answer to that is no, my question is, well, why not? Why are you not a member? It's God's will for God's people to identify with and to be accountable to a local body of God's people. Now, it's quite possible that you could have a good reason, and there are reasons. It could be that you're attending here, but you're not a member here because you're in transition. That's possible. It could be because you were wounded in another church, and you're here, and you're just wanting to go through a healing process, and then you're going to commit to a church. That's possible. And that's all acceptable and okay. But... For those of you who where well, that's not the case, where you've been here and you've been coming for ages and you're just not doing anything else, you're not committing, you're not being held accountable, you're not participating as you ought according to the New Testament, then you've got an issue that you need to deal with, that the Father wants you to deal with. So are you a follower of the Lord Jesus? Yes. Are you a member? If yes, then are you fulfilling the responsibilities of a member? Not simply having my name on the roll, not simply doing ABC, but doing what is required. We'll talk more about detail of that next week. And of course, if your answer is no, no, I'm not a follower of the Lord Jesus yet, well, forget about church membership, local church membership. You've got to be part of the universal church. We need to talk about that. What's stopping you becoming a follower of the Lord Jesus? What do you need to know? Who do you need to talk to? What's holding you back? How can we help? tick a box I want to know more about Jesus or come and chat let's talk about it listen carefully please am I saying that if you are not a church member then you are not saved you're not part of God's church no not saying that not saying that at all but I am saying it is God's will for you to be not just a follower of the Lord Jesus but also to be a member Someone committed to, submitted to and participating in, not just in name, but in attitude, practice and commitment. If you're a Christian, why aren't you a member? That's the next step, that's the next part. Four quick questions, four or five. Can I be a Christian and not go to church? Answer, oh yeah, you can, you can be a Christian and not go to church. But if that's the case, something's seriously wrong. Seriously wrong. Can I be married and not live with my spouse? Yes, you can. And there could be reasons. It could be uh, you're away on occupation or something. And you, Can I be married and not want to live with my spouse well yes but something is very wrong why would you not want to live with your spouse why not there's a problem so too with membership can i be a christian and not be baptized yeah it's possible but again it's not God's will, not God's word, not what he wants. Can I be a Christian and not want to be baptised? Well, yes. But again, something is seriously wrong. Something is indicated. For me, it took me three years to come to the point of understanding, oh, I need to be baptised. But for three years, through ignorance or through misunderstanding or through whatever, faulty reasoning, I didn't think I needed to be baptized but when someone just pointed out to me from the scriptures that this is something Jesus commanded and something we're to do then oh, okay I've turned from myself and I've turned to him and I bow to him if he says we are to do this then just do it follow him be obedient to him can a Christian just attend church a church service but not join I guess the answer to that is uh, yes i guess you can but again it's not normal that's not what the father wants there'd have to be a reason you're just attending but not committed to not submitted to not identified with so what does all this mean for us what are we going to take away from this well, if you're a Christian, a follower of the Lord Jesus, are you a member? And if you are a member, what sort of a member are you? Does that need to lift? You need to talk to God about that. Maybe you need to talk to us and we can pray with you about it. If you're a Christian but not a member, why not? That's a conversation to be had. I'd like to hear your reasons. I'd like to chat with you and pray with you about that. So would Pastor Charlie, so would anybody on the pastoral team. And if you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus yet, then we certainly want to help you. We want to help you become, to answer the most important question of all, the question Jesus asked, who do you say I am? He says. So if we can help you in any of those things, please do. If you want to know more about membership, those cards are one way of doing it. Just put your name and a contact number or email or something on it and just say, tick the box, I want to know more about membership. Do that and we'll be in touch. If you want to push back and say uh, I don't agree with you I don't think I need to be a member of a local church that's okay God bless you but please come and chat come and correct me come and point out where I'm at wrong because I don't want to teach things that are not right or not biblical I believe this is truth I believe it's according to God's will and his word so I'd be happy to engage in a conversation let's pray together Heavenly Father, you are awesome and wonderful. You thought of the church. You had this plan in place long before you even created anything. It was your intention to send Jesus in order to redeem people and then to enfold them into his family, your family, into the church. And that it's your will that this invisible body of believers would have a local physical manifestation in the local church Help us, Lord, as a local church to get it right. Help us to be obedient. Help us to be submissive. Help us to be a church which is pleasing to you, that honors you. And I pray you would continue to work in each of our hearts and lives. Help us to think clearly about these matters and to commit ourselves to take up our cross and follow you, Lord Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.